Melissa Galini and I'm a Junior Officer uh, Leadership Program member at GE Aviation. Today we have with us um, Lieutenant Jenny Moore and Lieutenant Claire Gunnison from the U.S. Navy. They're a pilot and a WIZO from one of our uh, customer units. So we're really excited to have them here today. We're just going to have some really casual conversation about what you guys do and um, you know what your day-to-day -day life is like being pilots and being in the Navy too. So maybe you guys could start off with a quick introduction, your background, and um, what you do today. So Lieutenant Moore. Hi, I'm Jenny. My call sign is Juno. Um, we all go by call signs mm -hmm. in, the, in our community. But um, I'm from Chicago area originally. Um, I went to Georgia Tech for undergrad. I did not do ROTC or um, the Naval Academy. Mm -hmm. I was a direct commission outside of, out, out of after school, so a little bit of a different path to the aviation community. Yeah. Um, I actually worked in the nuclear community in the Navy for a few years. I was an instructor um, teaching the guys who were going to operate submarines and aircraft carriers. And then I lateral transferred into aviation, which was kind of my childhood dream growing up. So Very interesting. So how was, how was that? Because I know submariners, women for a very long time could not be submariners, right? Absolutely. It wasn't until 2010, actually, that oh. um, when I, I interviewed and accepted the position in 2003, so it was well before that time, but at the time that was the big question of the day is should we integrate women into submarines? Would you would you want to be on submarines if you had that opportunity? Um, and my my personal answer was I wouldn't, I personally would not want to serve, but I knew plenty of women that were more than qualified to do it. Um, and they were having manning shortages, they couldn't find enough people, and so that was kind of the why don't we open this up to everybody and then we won't have to worry about not having enough qualified oh. people. Yeah, yeah. So it eventually came about, which is great. So now women can be on submarines. Very interesting. And Lieutenant Gunnison? Uh, good morning. My name is uh, Claire Gunnison. My call sign is Hooks and I am from Charlotte, North Carolina and I graduated from Penn State University uh, with a degree in chemistry. I, unlike uh, Jenny, did uh, attend in, uh, the Navy ROTC, so that's how I received my commissioning. Um, and then ended up being a Wizzo, uh, going through flight school and doing a tour on the East Coast, and then doing a tour on the West Coast, where I currently am residing in California. So, can you tell us a story of what Hooks stands for? I sure can. <laughs> if you um, if you are old enough, so a lot of my uh, students, when I was an instructor at our uh, fleet replacement squadron. Uh, we're not old enough to have seen the movie, but Police Academy. There's a character <laughs> who's, I guess her call center, her name's, name is Hooks, and she has a high voice. So <laughs> it was an easy fit, literally day one. Uh, you normally have a call center review board, hang around for about six months, and they figure out maybe you do something that uh, could be seen as a little bit stupid, or you do something... Um, that you earn your call sign and I walked in and got my call sign immediately so it's call fitting. sign review board that sounds uh, daunting <laughs> <laughs> it's great fun what about you how did you um, how'd you get the name Juno Juno it's from a movie there's a movie yeah, about yeah. the girl that got pregnant um, <laughs> And I don't know where this is going. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I happened to write about a month before this call sign review board happened to get pregnant in my, uh -huh. and there, as you can imagine, there are not very many female uh, aviators in general, and even fewer that get <laughs> pregnant. So that was a pretty easy call sign as well. Once, uh, very once that happened. <laughs> so I guess that's actually a really good segue. Um, you know. You know, not necessarily just being minorities, but just being in your field. Um, you know, what what made you want to want to fly? When I was a kid growing up, I thought it was the coolest job. 
ever. Hmm. Um, I thought it was normal to every time you heard even a hint of engine noise to stop everything you were doing and run outside and go see what it was. Um, apparently for 12 year old girls that's not normal but it was for me. <laughs> I loved yeah. it. Um, and so that that was my dream growing up and I just eventually it kind of took a couple detours along, along the way but yeah. it ended up back back where I wanted to be. Cool. About yourself. And my story is quite similar to Jenny. So, uh, very interested in flying uh, when I was much younger and about 10 started, and it, it took hold even more so in college. Had the opportunity to um, experience summer seminar at the Naval Academy. Mm -hmm. um, I have a twin brother, he was interested in, in it, uh, got me interested into it, and ultimately. Um, that was one reason why I chose uh, Navy for flying. So just very similar stories, but. Cool, um, so then how long have you been flying Super Hornets? I've been flying Super Hornets for five and a half years. And how long have you been a WISO? Uh, for uh, WISO and Super Hornets, it's been about six and a half, seven years. So have you switched different air? Uh, no, okay. I should say, so when we start flying, we'll fly different trainers. Okay. So we have about two years of flight school, um, give or take, mm -hmm. depending upon your path, uh, before you actually get your wings of gold and then get to enter what they call a gray jet, which is what all of our mm -hmm. um, jets are painted gray for that tactical uh, purposes. So Interesting. So when you're in that training period, do you get to uh, train on different aircraft, or do you select very early on what you, what you want to do? Everybody starts in the same place. We go to IFS, an in, uh, introductory flight school, where you fly a Cessna. You just go out up there, fly a Cessna, see how that goes. And then you start the progression of um, a smaller fixed-wing propeller trainer, um, mm -hmm. the T-34, now it's the T-6. And then from there, depending on what you end up selecting, you'll kind of go down different paths. Um, you could end up going, if you're going to go down the carrier-based uh, pipeline, you'll fly a T-45. Um, and that's where you first learn how to land on the aircraft carrier. Hmm. Um, and then you'll go to, there's you know there's the fighters, and then we've got the E-2 Hawkeyes and the C-2 Cods. Um, mm -hmm. So you kind of can deviate from there. Um, or, you know, even before you would get to the carrier-based platform, if you decide to go helicopters, you know, you'll go down the helicopter training route. Um, so kind of depending on you, you all start in the same place, and then you start branching from there, depending on your your path very interesting so I guess you know what what is it like what is it like being in a you know in a plane in a, in a fighter jet and what has your experience been uh, my experience of so being a WISO a weapons systems uh, officer is slightly different than being a pilot uh, however the experience is great I would encourage uh, anybody to actually uh, if, they, if they're interested in flying to join Naval Aviation, obviously we're a bit biased, but any type of flying, <laughs> it is, um, it's a great experience. And to be a WIZO is um, rewarding in and of itself because I get to obviously always have somebody to fly with, unlike some pilots who do solo, solo flights. But um, it is to basically understand that we are going to go in and uh, we may fly combat missions. We may just fly a search and rescue mission. There are different types of mission sets. Um, and in a two-seat squadron, the uh, FAC-A pro uh, program forward air controller airborne is, um, has played a huge role in the current um, conflicts that we've been involved in. So to sum it up in one word for like a general person, if you're talking to a five-year-old, it's awesome. It's a great experience. Mm -hmm. so. What about yourself? What would you say? 
I would say it's yes, very fun. Mm -hmm. um, it looks like a lot of fun, and it is a lot of fun <laughs> when when you get to do it. It is very busy, mm -hmm. um, very stressful. It can be as you're learning. Um, we call it your essay bubble, which is situational awareness. Mm -hmm. And initially, when you're just learning how to fly, um, you're so busy trying to process all the information that's coming to you that you don't really see what's going on around you. But then, as you get more and more experience and more and more flight time your essay bubble grows and you start to be able to experience more and feel like you're farther ahead of the game and you then it starts to become really fun. So it is it is fun, it, it can be stressful, it can be difficult, um, and then obviously the whole point is you're training for more and more difficult missions, more and more yeah. difficult aircraft as time goes on. So you're constantly being challenged, but the bigger the challenges get, the more fun the mission, you're, you know, the more fun your flight is going to be. It's just, um, they kind of go hand in hand. So, so both of you are moms, right? Correct. Yes. Okay. So what is it like to you know, be in the military and, and be a mother and have a demanding day and then come home and I'm sure having a demanding schedule and coming home too. What is that like for you? For A, I'd like to give a quick shout out to my husband who is obviously great and does that, <laughs> does support me and just got off of a deployment in August. Oh, wow. So seven and a half months, not nearly as long as I'm sure what Ginny will talk about here, but it was my third deployment. Definitely a lot more difficult with a, um, with a two-year-old at home. Uh, so the first two, I was a junior officer my first tour. You're really excited to go out. Uh, not that I wasn't excited to go out on my third one in a training officer role, but it was more difficult uh, to, to know that you're not home and seeing that second year of your child's life. However, what we're doing I think is um, very important and it's important to, my, to me to show my son that I can, as a woman, do this. So any woman you marry or any sister we may have in the future mm -hmm. or any other woman you deal with could be, it definitely hopefully will instill in him that we can do anything and it was obviously proven and that I will say I'm much uh, it is a it's much easier to be him but our given um, our daily schedule is actually quite erratic we don't get our flight schedules until the night before so even that in and of itself we were just joking my husband was saying it was somewhat easier while you were on deployment because it was sort of a constant <laughs> uh, now uh, with the erratic schedule it can be difficult but you've got it really takes a um, a village to raise them so we have some yeah. great uh, child care and my husband obviously and the military in and of itself um, is sort of that strong uh, network that resembles families I'm sure you're well aware of mm -hmm. and so that definitely helps. I had my son, when I was in my fleet tour, hence the call sign Juno. <laughs> <laughs> so it was um, having, uh, when we when we get pregnant as, as female aviators in our aircraft, we are not allowed to fly for the entire pregnancy. Oh gosh. So that makes it pretty difficult mm -hmm. during that time. There's really not a lot that can make up for time in the air, um, especially as a pilot with just the stick and rudder skills. It's very perishable. Does that set you behind in flight hours to your peers? Absolutely. Uh -huh, interesting. Absolutely, because there's just nothing you can do to make up for 10 months of flying, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and so, I mean, I was able to do a lot of simulators, you know, mission planning, briefs, um, staying academically in it as much as possible and learning the tactics and doing everything I could um, minus flying the jet to try to help that transition once I got mm -hmm. back into the cockpit. But it was still a struggle getting back in. I mean, when you haven't flown for a long time, it takes a little while to get warmed up to it again, mm -hmm. especially 
if you don't have a lot of flight hours behind you to back you up. Um, So that part was really difficult. Um, Mm -hmm. Once I got back into flying, we were working up for a deployment. So my schedule was very, very busy. Um, I had an infant son. My, My husband was actually deployed at this time. So he was gone and, you know, I was home with our son. So like Claire said, it is a lot of a lot of support and help, you know, great child care. My family was um, very helpful and um, it's busy. It's mm-hmm. busy, but uh, my son, thankfully, is very adaptable. He um, he's always been a very good natured little guy. And um, when uh, you know, I finally did leave for my deployment, it was really difficult to leave him for so long. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, my husband, you know, as as Claire said as well, was a rock star. I mean, he stayed home with my with my son for ten months while I was wow. on deployment. Uh, he was working full time too. He's an F eighteen pilot as well. Wow. Um, so you know, he was doing the same thing that I was while he was on deployment, trying to manage the schedule with our son. And um, it's it's crazy and hectic, but um, it works if you have enough support and yeah. help, um, which the military is very good about providing excellent childcare mm-hmm. and being supportive of the the erratic schedules Mm -hmm. as well. Interesting. The story in general is just extremely powerful and I, um, you know, I thank you both obviously for your service and for, you know, consistently staying on track with the mission, obviously, but also staying dedicated to your families. I'm sure that there's a balance there. Um, We call it work-life integration here. I think Jean has a very powerful story there as well. Um, So, you know, here at GE Aviation, um, in our military systems business, a majority of our employees work day-to-day with military customers, whether it be U.S. Army, U.S. Navy, uh, U.S. Marine Corps, U.S. Air Force, or even international. Um, different navies as well so you know really you all are you know our end customer but you know I think we all try to figure out how do we make a connection with those that we're selling engines to but really want to build a relationship with longer term and really have that commitment to service to our country through our products so what advice would you give to someone who's working with a military customer I would say we, as the customer, you know, using the, the engines or you know, the product, we only know what it does. We don't know how it was built. We don't know the different nuances about it. We basically know how they operate and then you know, our maintainers, obviously, mm-hmm. how to maintain them. Mm-hmm. So when working with a military customer, it's, I guess, important or it's good to find out like what, what is your biggest struggle with right now or what is what do you want to see out of this engine mm-hmm. or you know what are you not seeing now that you would like to see mm-hmm. and then talking about it from that perspective mm-hmm. just because that's what we understand. Yep, yep. <laughs> we only understand what we're, what we're doing with it. So for me yep. as a pilot, you know, um, I think actually have had wonderful wonderful experience with these engines. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually talk about it in our, when we train for emergency scenarios in the simulators, um, mm-hmm. we will train for all kinds of engine malfunctions and complete failures and everything. But, um, you know, the instructors that we're working with will even say, you know, these engines are the most reliable engines we've we've ever had. The chances of this actually happening in your aircraft are pretty small, mm-hmm. but we're still going to train to if it did. And so, as the as the customer, you know we are very satisfied. Mm-hmm. Um, there's definitely you know days where like I really wish this would go a little more power, you know. But yeah. we're, that's the basics that we're at. Will it will it fail? How much power will it give me? Um, and then on the maintainer side, you know it's how often do I have to pull it off the jet to fix it? How often do mm-hmm. I you know what is going to be the like 
the most difficult part to obtain because of the materials yeah. and stuff. But but talking in terms of like I guess finding out what the military member is most concerned about mm -hmm. and then kind of speaking in that language for how the product is going to change that or help that or you know, make a difference in mm -hmm. that day to day life. Of course, yeah. Do you have any comment there? <laughs> Jenny said it so eloquently. <laughs> very good response. I would say, I mean, even if it is the military, we are, I mean, we're just, we're somewhat just like civilians, right? Mm -hmm. So how you deal with the civilian population is how we would be dealt with that, I think, as well. Um, and a more, more so, I guess, as operators, we obviously aren't making big decisions. So as Jenny mm -hmm. was saying, we are really just concerned of how reliable a product is and, um, what it is going to do for us. And then obviously just showing us support, I think is, mm -hmm. is huge in the fact that um, I think you do through these veteran programs and mm -hmm. um, other uh, such events, that, that that speaks volumes as well, mm -hmm. that you actually care about about us when we are on our deployments or we're in a hectic uh, scenario and facing somewhat of a crisis, I guess, or what, mm -hmm. what could be perceived as a, as a huge crisis and mm -hmm. how we, how your product is going to help us in that um, in that situation. Of course. So I guess, um, you know, with that, any real parting words for anybody that's kind of listening to this afterwards? Just thank you to you guys at GE. You guys yeah. have been very welcoming to us today. We've had a great time talking to everybody on your team. Awesome. And I would definitely say that, you know, the best thing about the engines, you know, people ask us, like, what do you think about the engines? And the great thing is we don't have to think about them very much because <laughs> they work really well for us That's a good time. news story. <laughs> so, so um, you know, that I just thank you for having us here. Great, yes. great. No, we, we are extremely excited to have you, and, you know, thanks for taking some time today to talk to us. Um, and, you know, hopefully we'll have you back again soon, and hopefully you keep thinking we're reliable. <laughs> thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you.